Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Founding Four podcast. It is Friday, December 27th. So Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah. Happy second day of Kwanzaa to everyone. And I hope you are preparing for an exciting start to the new year. But before you start the new year, we have some NWHL action that you're not going to want to miss. So for those who are joining for the first time, my name is Erica Ayala, host of the Founding Four podcast, which is an independent NWHL-centric women's hockey podcast. On our traditional episodes like this one, we'll cover the NWHL, the National Women's Hockey League, and their five teams. On our bonus episodes, which will have some that will lead you into the new year, you'll hear from people around other aspects of women's hockey, including national teams, college teams, and some people that were integral in the history of women's ice hockey, like our next bonus episode. But I'll tell you a little bit more about that after this episode, after this show. For today, I have two weeks of action to review for you. We've got interviews. I was able to speak to Kendall Cornine and Allie Thunstrom. We'll hear from them. Kendall Cornine, the leading goal scorer for the Metropolitan Riveters. Allie Thunstrom, leading goal scorer for the Minnesota Whitecaps. And both were in action over the last two weekends. But there's also a lot of NWHL news since we last spoke, fans. And I'm going to get into all of that. So why don't we go ahead and start this show? Let's start with the news. I don't like surprises too much, so we're going to get right into it. In the last few weeks, the NWHL has had a significant amount of news, and it's it's really great news for fans, for players, and it bodes well for the league overall. To begin, we've, we have the date and the time and location of the NWHL All-Star Game. NWHL All-Star Weekend, for the second time ever in NWHL history, will be in a current existing NWHL market. That's right, the Boston Pride and Warrior Ice Arena are hosting the 2020 NWHL All-Star Game, which is a two 25-minute periods of four-on-four hockey. We also will have the Skills Challenge that will return. That will be on Saturday the skills competition that's february 8th at 8 p.m so it's a later start than we've seen prior at least last year in the nwhl skills challenge february 8th at 8 p.m and then february 9th at 2 30 we'll see the four on four action we also have eight of our all-stars already the eight original nwhl players that have been with the league all five years were all named to the all-star game so that is kareen Bowie for the buffalo buttes jordan brickner shannon doyle and elena orlando for the connecticut whale jillian dempsey and kaylee fratkin for the boston pride and kira dostal and madison packer for the Metropolitan Riveters. We also have the captains. It will be Team Packer, as in Team Madison Packer, versus Team Dempsey, as in Jillian Dempsey. Both of these players, it must be said, are, along with Jordan Brickner and Shannon Doyle and Kira Dostal, 
Both Gillian Dempsey and Madison Packer have played for the same franchise their entire NWHL career. And although Madison teased us with a retirement, she did return and has played all five seasons. Gillian Dempsey has been such a rock for this Pride team, especially since truly the the third season when we saw that Olympians were centralized or uh, they were in residency. So that is NWHL All-Star Weekend. The tickets went on sale December 23rd, so right before the holiday. And Gray announced that they themselves were going to have a raffle for four tickets in either one of the penalty boxes. So with Kaylee Fratkin, definitely an all-star, we are expecting, and Madison Packer for that matter, we are expecting a lot of action in the penalty box, even in an all-star game. <laughs> a lot of people have joked on Twitter. So we know a, a few details. So we have a few details for the NWHL all-star game. You can visit nwhl.zone backslash all-star. All one word for all-star. In addition to that, we have the broadcast team and I was named to the broadcast team very very honored to be on my third NWHL all-star broadcast I am serving alongside play-by-play voices Kelly Schultz for the Minnesota Whitecaps and Sam Fryman I work with Sam Fryman this year and we worked last year together also on Boston Pride Games but he is your mainstay on the power play or excuse me he is your mainstay on the play-by-play for the Boston Pride. My, and so Alexis Pearson and I will be ho- be serving as your analyst and probably splitting to some degree uh, rinkside act, uh, you know, duties. We're not really sure yet, uh, but w- once I know, I'll let you know. So we'll, we're waiting on more information regarding rosters, uniforms, and all of that good stuff. Okay. So much more coming from the NWHL All-Star Weekend. Also announced was um, some partnerships. So the NWHL is now partnered with AccuWeather. So it's an exclusive weather partnership that provides the league with critical weather data impacting games. Um, And it's an ongoing commitment from AccuWeather to... uh, in response to, and it signifies, excuse me, AccuWeather's ongoing commitment to girls and women's team sports as and the valuable lessons they impart. That's coming directly from the press release. So AccuWeather, uh, you know, we see here that um, M-Style Marketing CEO Rob Stryer, we are thrilled to see these two great organizations come together to create this special partnership. It was a pleasure facilitating the relationship, and we are excited to now watch how each partner benefits and grows collaboratively. Now, M-Style Marketing is the company that designs all of the jerseys, so it seems as though from one partnership, they got another, the NWHL. And of course, we know that there's a 50-50 revenue split, so... There will be additional income coming to players this year because of this partnership. Um, the The numbers for the partnership were not released, um, but um, we also know that the NWHL is preparing 
tomorrow actually for an outdoor game. So the AccuWeather data will specifically target the cities of the NWHL. So that's St. Paul, Danbury, Boston. Uh, I'm not exactly sure, honestly, where in New Jersey the Riveters are playing this day, but a city in New Jersey and Buffalo. Um, And there will be a widget integrated on the league's website and something highlighted on social media. So if you are going to games, if you're traveling to games, you want to know how to dress for a game, such as an outdoor game, we'll talk about that soon, AccuWeather has you covered now. And additionally, there will be three dedicated posts for special events, such as the league's outdoor game on December 28th, All-Star Weekend, and the Isabel Cup playoffs. So there'll be some, we'll get to see that tomorrow. We'll get to see that this weekend, that the special AccuWeather um, post. So this is kind of cool. Um, and also, uh, I'm going to talk about the outdoor game, and I'm going to give a special shout out to those who are planning a special fan gathering for the outdoor game. But we'll get to that soon. I want to go through, there's a, there's a lot of news. There's a lot of NWHL news, including... On Monday, January 23rd, the NWHL went to the NASDAQ stock market um, and rang the opening bell, and I was able to be there for this. I got a message, and the, the league was like, hey, you know, we'd love to to have you there, and I was like, the stock market? I was like, you know, finance not really my thing, and I'm thinking, like, we're going to go down to Wall Street, because, you know, I'd, I'd seen pictures of people doing this at Wall Street, Um and I was like, ah. I mean, okay, okay, I'll do it. Yeah, I'll go. I, I don't know that I necessarily need to go. I'm not, I've never really thought about if I want to go, but it seems like a cool thing, right? Like, scratch it off your bucket list. Let's do it. I am so glad that I went. It was honestly a very cool experience. It was live streamed. I mean, we had all kinds of places picking up. Uh, the feed Danny Ryland commissioner got to make a speech it was it was pretty cool it was pretty pretty cool so I'm glad that I went it was uh, definitely outside of what I would normally do on a Monday Uh, but it was cool it was really cool we were right there in Times Square and as a born and raised New Yorker, Times Square is not usually where I want to be at any time of the year, but certainly around the holiday season. But the NASDAQ has this massive, the, the building, you know, the building has this big screen. And I didn't pay much attention to it. I mean, there's all these big screens when you're in Times Square for anyone who's ever been. It's like screens, endless screens, flashing lights. It's very intense. Um, but we were getting prepped before the, you know, we go in, we take a picture, there's a, someone gives remarks, uh, then Danny gives remarks, and then they wanted us to be like really excited and loud. And I thought we were going to be a little, it was a little bit more of a stuffy, you know, business, we were told to wear business uh, attire. I thought we were just going to like politely golf clap. No, they wanted us to cheer. They wanted us to wave. It was pretty intense. But as they're giving these the, the the rundown as this woman is giving us the rundown they started the video that is playing outside and they give you a live shot of Times Square so it's these these uh cameras showing you this video and it's a highlight reel it's a highlight reel of the NWHL 
like amazing goals, amazing stops over the the course of the. I, I mean, it was really more in the last like two seasons, but over the course of the NWHL, and it's on a building outside of Times Square. It was pretty cool. I I I, I didn't even know what the woman was saying after a while because I was so zoned in on this video outside. I just wanted to be outside to watch the video. Eventually we got to do that. I can't tell you how many times I watched it replay, but it was really, really cool. Then they had some of the um, photos that they took of us um, up there. It was really cool. Anya Packer was taking selfies, as she is known to do. And the selfie, the way it laid out on the building, like her smile was one of the windows. So you couldn't see her teeth. It was just like this outcut. It was really cool. Um, and Danny Ryland gave a really, um, a, a pretty good speech. She talked about um, the importance of having genuine support. She talked about genuine support for women's sports. And that is something that I think a lot of people who are fans of women's sports, who cover women's sports, are really looking for. She goes, first and foremost, the NWHL is a business. We would not be able to grow as we have without investment, without corporate, without corporate partners, without support. Please consider genuine support, not words, not marketing campaigns, but real investment in women's sports. I assure you, you won't find better partners. If you work with women in sports, the potential is unlimited. The opportunity to make a difference is right here, right now. I think that a lot of us who work in women's sports identify with that. And I thought the words were really great. And I think it is incumbent on the NWHL and its partners to make good on that and to make sure that it's not just words, but action. I think the revenue split this year is certainly a step in the right direction. I think um, where the league goes from here is really going to be something to watch. You know, if I'm being honest, there's another piece of news. And you know what? Let's just go ahead and get right into it. The other piece of news that we got is that Michelle Shelley Picard has been named the league's second deputy commissioner that also holds the title of director of player development. This title was created originally for Haley Moore. She stepped out of this position just as the season was starting to be named president of the Boston Pride. Of course, the Boston Pride was bought out and is privately owned. So Shelly Picard is now the deputy commissioner and director of player development for the NWHL. I really like this move. I really, really like this move. I've talked to Shelly over the years about growing the game and in a lot of different ways. I've had Shelly on the, on, on the podcast. I've, I've talked to her on my own website and I've talked to her about why she focuses on youth groups. Um, but not just, she works with the Colonials. She's worked with hockey in Newark. Um, she's worked with the Rangers for some of their youth clinics. And of course, she's been a member of the U.S. national team. She has also was a, a, a captain of the, the Riveters and helped them win the 2018 Isabel Cup. 
Shelly knows hockey. I think that she is someone who on the ice is respected, not just by her teammates, by her opponents, by the the people that she coaches, and also the families of of her players. And that last piece is really important. Um, of course, we're talking at the youth level, but Shelly is almost always smiling. You don't hear her complain too much, even when we know that she's had a lot on her plate. I think last season in particular, she had a lot on her plate. She was getting back into the fold with the national team. And as the captain, she was the go-between for a lot that was happening as things were being uh, shaken up a little bit with the riveters between um, some of them. I I mean, it's not a stretch to say that there was miscommunication with the coaching staff and um and the players um that's that's evident then there were players that were coming into the fold there were players that were having difficulty as i mentioned for weather issues um with the travel and shelly picard in the absence of general managers that season shelly and the rest of the captains were right there um she does it all with grace um with patience with diplomacy I am very excited to see how that will translate to how she's able to communicate on behalf of the NWHL and what this player development role will look like. Um, I talked to Haley Moore about this once before, and it was definitely a way to have someone in the league keeping an eye on players coming through the pike. And as a player who's been in the national team system and has had to make her way back to the national team system, I feel that Shelly Picard probably has a a good uh, finger on the pulse. She also played for Harvard, and she knows the programs, uh, at least definitely here uh, in the Northeast. Um, And I, I just really like this move. I think also... And we're going to have Shelly on the on the podcast. We're hoping to schedule something once we get through the holiday season. Um, had an informal conversation with her, and she knows full and well, as do most people in the hockey community, that she tweeted for the game. She was with the national team at the time, tweeted out for the game, and then has been, we've almost not heard from her at all directly. Um, since there was a an announcement that the NWHL put out that uh, made it sound as though she had retired, but that's not something that we've ever officially heard Shelley Picard, to my knowledge, say. Um, it was almost as the league, uh, you know, saw her doing. It was an announcement for something with the Rangers and the, and the clinic that she was doing, and um, again, nothing directly from from her mouth. But she's been very quiet. And so for this to be one of her first kind of out uh, steps out and back into women's professional hockey is really interesting. In the league release, um, she is quoted as saying, the opportunity to accelerate the progress of women's professional hockey and make the NWHL one of the best hockey leagues in the world is inspiring to me. The game is a big part of my life, and my experience with the Riveters and at every level of the sport will inform the work ahead. I look forward to collaborating not only with the NWHL's players and leaders, but also stakeholders in hockey-driven in, in but also stakeholders in hockey driven to take our game to the to higher levels 
Um, this is this is an interesting uh, hire. I don't think you can remove the fact that again Shelley was active with the national team, tweeted out for the game, and now is in a prominent role in the NWHL. And that matters not as a dig on one side or the other, but I think it matters for players like presumably Shelley herself that have had a difficult time with where we are in women's professional hockey. And perhaps, this is my take, perhaps seeing someone like Shelley Picard, and I'm sure that eventually hopefully on the Founding Four podcast, she'll get into her decision-making. Um, I, I, I wholeheartedly believe in, in players um, being able to to move with agency. That's actually one of the cool things about the free agency period, particularly in the NWHL. It's a one-year contract as a player, <laughs> or excuse me, as a fan and a reporter, not my favorite, but as a player, it, it opens up the idea that there are things in your life that, that might require you, you, you to get out of a contract. So the CWHL had two-year contracts similar. Um, anyway, so to, to, be able, to be able to move with agency is extremely important. And I think that, I think that right now the PWHPA and the NWHL are truly two sides of the same coin. And... I think that they have different approaches. They're both unique approaches and both approaches that honestly women's hockey needs. But I don't see that one will has to survive um, independent of the other. And so for me, I feel that we find ourselves in a very similar situation as when we had the CWHL and the NWHL. So I went a little bit sideways on a on a winding road here, but all of that to say, I'm I'm very curious to to see what Shelley's going to do on the player development side of things. Um, that was something that I think Haley Moore was really good at. I think that is somewhere that Danny Rylan and the front office. Um, they need help with. And so I'm assuming that Shelly and Anya Packer will, will work closely together. And I'm curious to see what that dynamic uh, will be, with what how the Players Association and the new deputy commissioner will work um, and how that will impact all of the players in the league. Hey folks, quick break in the action to remind you to follow the Founding Four podcast on Twitter at founding for pod that's founding the number four pod on twitter you can also become a member of the patreon posse that is sports talk with ela so head over to patreon and look for sports talk with ela that's me and make sure you're supporting your favorite nwhl centric independently run women's hockey podcast thanks for listening here's the rest of this episode So yeah, that's that's Shelley Picard, and to that end, um, I'm not saying that they're directly related, but to the conversation of players kind of needing time, taking time, um, and finding their way back to the league, Kelly Nash has re-signed with the Riveters, 
And I... (laughs) Kelly Nash is a very smart player who unfortunately, because of her work with, at the time, the Princeton women's hockey team, her time in the league was limited. It has always been limited. She was a late sign her first season. Um, last season, I mean, Princeton was doing great. She, uh, the last time I saw Kelly Nash, she was watching the playoff game because she was preparing her team for the NCAA tournament. Um, in, in Minnesota. She just happened to be in Minnesota at the time. But uh, Kelly Nash is a smart player. Uh, Chad Wiseman said that time and time again when he was coaching the Riveters, she's one of the smartest players he's ever seen. To bring that to this Riveters team that is physical, they are strong, they can score, which was not the case last year. Perhaps because of personnel challenges, uh, as in the personnel wasn't matched up. Um, to have someone who can, who's a veteran, who plays the game smart, she knows how to set up her teammates, but also knows how to score herself. Um, I think this is going to be really good for this young Riveters team. The only thing that could be better is if Kelly Nash were a defender because I think that their weaknesses are on the blue line. Rebecca, Moose, Morse, and Kira Dostal, I think, are you know clearly the, the go-tos, particularly Kira. She plays just a, a really strong... Um, you know, n- not overly flashy style of defense. I think Moose is a little bit more offensive-minded because she's had to be for this team. Um, yeah, the only thing that would be better about signing forward Kelly Nash is if she was also a defender. Uh, I don't know that she can play two ways on the puck. I don't really think you need her to. Um, <clears throat> but, uh, yeah. In the press release, Kelly Nash says, I'm extremely proud to be part of the Riveters and the NWHL. It has been fun to be back with my old teammates and getting to work with all of the talented new players that have become Riveters. I am committed to helping the team compete for the Isabel Cup in every way I can. I'm really looking forward to seeing our fans at the games. This is going to be a thrilling sprint for the final three months of the season. And yes, she is planning to rejoin the team tomorrow at the Labatt Blue NWHL Buffalo Believes Classic, the Outdoor Classic. And that is the other piece of news that we have for you folks. We're just rolling through this news. The NWHL is having its first outdoor classic, if you will. And Labatt Blue is the title sponsor of this game. It's a Canadian beer brand with deep hockey roots that is partnering with the NWHL. Uh, This is the first regular season outdoor game in NWHL history. And Labatt Blue's sponsorship of this is a commitment. It shows the commitment of the brand's it shows the commitment of the brand to the game, the players, and the fans, said Danny Ryland. Um, so they have created the logo. They have they are the title sponsor. So presumably they are tossing in some money for the Buffalo Believes Classic. Saturday, December twenty eighth, puck drops at seven p.m. 
and the event is at Riverworks, which is a sports and entertainment venue located on the banks of the Buffalo River. And in addition to the game, want to shout out Maddie and Skylar, my homies from North Carolina, who have been planning a fan gathering. And that will be at Riverworks. There's a bar there. And that will be at Riverworks after the game. You can meet up with some of the fans traveling in. Anya Packer said she's going to be there. Some of the players are supposed to roll through. So it's going to be a fun time. It's going to be a fun time in Buffalo. I am sad I will not be there. But I will be on the call for the game that is happening this or the matchup happening this weekend, which is... The Boston Pride are rolling into little old Danbury, Connecticut to take on the Connecticut Whale. Now, the question here, and I wrote this in my preview, will we see one of these streaks snapped? As in, will the losing finally stop? (laughs) Sorry, just have to cut right to the chase. Will the losing finally stop for Connecticut? Will the winning finally stop for Boston? Uh, Let's put it this way. If you take the season on a whole... The Buffalo, or excuse me, the Boston Pride are going to have their way with Connecticut. There is an interesting phenomenon that seems to happen, though, when teams play Connecticut, is that the game is relatively slow. Um, Some people might call this playing down. It's interesting. I've seen it happen time and time again. If, in fact, the Boston Pride quote-unquote, play down in this series, I do think that it's possible that the Connecticut Whale can get a few goals up on the Pride. Including, of course, because the Pride were just taken to overtime for the first time by the Buffalo Buttes last weekend. So there's some chinks in the armor. There's some chinks in the armor coming into this series for the Boston Pride. The Connecticut Whale are shorthanded defensively. Aaron Hall and Jordan Brickner are out. It seems that they will be out for an extended period of time with injury. Hannah Beatty has been pushed back to bring the the total, the grand total of blue liners for the Connecticut Whale, active blue liners, to four. So the blue line, which I've always contested, is one of the strongest aspects with only exception to being their goalie trio. We haven't seen all of their goalies, so I suppose their goalie tandem. But I'll, I'll respect to the goalies. Connecticut goalies always find a way to rise, rise up. So I'll stick with goalie trio. With exception to the goalie trio, the blue line is the most successful aspect of the Connecticut team. Shannon Doyle um, is is not only a block. She's a puck-blocking machine, but she's an assist queen. She is crushing it in assists uh, this season. She facilitates very well from the back. The issue, though, is when they're shorthanded or if, if a defender is trying to push someone out of position, you have to have someone cycle in to take their place. That doesn't always happen. The forwards are getting better. We're seeing 
Emma Vlasic step up. Kayla Menigan having a great season. I think Casey Anderson continues to be someone to watch. I think if she finds that next gear for her, it can be it can bode well. So those are the things that I think Connecticut has working in its favor. But the thing is, they need all of those things to be at 115, 20, 25, 45 percent to play a Boston team that is always running high octane. Um, Even some of their more sluggish games are some of the quicker games in the league this year. You want to talk about goal scorers. They have the top goal scorer in the league, McKenna Brandt. They have the top assist getter in the league, Christina Putinha. They have the top points leader in the league, Jillian Dempsey. Lovisa Salander leads the league in all goalie categories. And then if Lovisa Salander is not in net, you have Victoria Hansen, who got the first uh, shutout win on the season. This is a good Boston team. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about that. This is a Connecticut team that is still finding itself. But they've made things interesting before. The Minnesota Whitecaps are a good team, and they took them down to the wire the last now three times that they played them. Uh, that first game Saturday last week was a 3 nothing game, but that's because Allie Thunstrom put her team on her back. We're going to hear from Allie Thunstrom in a little bit. Um, I think that was really, and she was modest about it, you'll hear, but I, I was saying on the broadcast, if not for Allie Thunstrom, you know, this game was going into overtime, and I think that Connecticut was starting to build some momentum. And that's exactly what they did on Sunday. Two to one game, and they were looking hungry in the last several minutes of the third period. I don't know that they have enough in the tank, especially being short some players and assuming that they're, they don't have a PTO that hasn't been announced yet. Actually, I don't think we've gotten projected lines yet, so we'll see about that. I think it's going to be tough for this Connecticut team to outmatch Boston. I do. I'm going to be honest. However... I don't think it's outside of the realm of possibility. I mean, again, it's Boston, so they're going to have their hands full. But I want to see Connecticut continue to fight. I think they're a little bit more more polite on the ice than they need to be. And and I mean that not that they're going over here bulldozing people, <coughs> riveters. But, uh, you know, I think they have to get a little more physical. They have to be a little more comfortable with a physical game. Um, I'd like to see them initiate uh, just a complete relentlessness and they're going to learn all about relentless hockey playing Boston so although I'm sad to be missing the outdoor game uh, just for the spectacle not necessarily because I want to be sitting outside watching a hockey game Danbury Ice Arena is cold enough for me thank you um well I'll be sad to miss that uh I'm I'm actually a little I'm excited to see what we're going to see in this Connecticut team with that said I do think that Connecticut needs to bring in some players they have PTO PTOs available I think they've used two of their 10, two or three. I think that Bray Ketchum and Colton Orr, I'm sure that they're trying, but it would be really great if they bring in a few more bodies. One, again, indefinitely, they lose one of their best defenders, one of their best 
uh, scorers in Jordan Brickner. You're not sure how long you're going to be able to roll 4D. And again, that's with Hannah Beatty being pushed back. Um, even if they get this momentum that I think they desperately need and they're kind of knocking, uh, they're knocking right on the door of getting there without reinforcements, it, it, it might kind of burst that bubble. Uh, so getting some defenders would be great. Even better would be finding an impact player. They need an impact forward, a power forward of sorts that can make things happen. Again, I think Kayla Menigan, uh, Emma Vlasic, and and even Casey Anderson have had to find that gear. Um, but if you had someone who's naturally a goal scorer in the way of like a Kelly, uh, a Kelly Stedman, a Kelly Stack, um, if we're looking, we're just gonna go through through all the Kellys, right? Um, Kelly Babstock, those are goal scorers. Those are scores. And I think the Connecticut Whale need need someone, a player or two like that. So I'm looking to see if they're going to do something with their PTOs. But that's our matchup in Connecticut. Um, let's go to our matchup in Buffalo. So this is the first time the Buttes and the Riveters are going head-to-head. They have had some historic matches, including like a, a full-on grudge fest <laughs> in Rochester last year. That was kind of that was kind of gnarly. Um but this is historically two franchises that really go at each other's necks. I think the Riveters are on an uptick. I think so are the Buffalo Buttes. So I'm very excited to see what what we're going to get from these two teams, but it's going to be an outdoor game also, so the elements will be at play. I spoke to Kendall Cornine about just that, the elements. We were outside, actually, in the elements. She had just finished up a Dunkin' Donuts clinic, and um, I spoke to her a little bit about coming off of that series with Minnesota, the clinic outdoor, her getting up there in goal scoring, being the leading goal scorer, and also uh, what to expect, what she's expecting from the outdoor game. Here's my interview with Kendall Cornine. All right. Um, I'm going to talk to you about first, uh, you got a little taste of the elements tonight um, in preparation for Buffalo, but is this your first time playing outdoors, or will it be? Uh, I've played outdoors like growing up. Uh, a couple of the teams we used to play had outdoor rinks in high school. But it's my first time playing like outside at Central Park. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so what are you expecting when it comes to being up in Buffalo, of all places, and then playing outdoors? Um, I think I think it'll be like really cool just getting to play outside. I think it's going to be a little bit windy just because the rink's like right in front of Lake Erie, I heard. So there's definitely going to be definitely gonna be some wind chill, but I think it'll be cool. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, you'll be back in upstate New York. Uh, do you know of any people that are going to come out to that game to hopefully yeah. support you? Yeah. Yeah, a lot of our uh, old RIT teammates are gonna come come out to the game. It's only like an hour from from Rochester, so should be fun. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I remember in the the Harbor Center days seeing lots of RIT gear out there. That's pretty cool. Um, switching gears a little bit, you're actually uh, now one of the top three goal scorers in the NWHL. Been able to tear it up. I mean, uh, you know, been really impactful, obviously, for this Riveters team. Um, at this point in the season, we're getting ready to head into you know the 2020 part of the season. How are you feeling on the ice? 
Um, I, I'm feeling pretty good. I think that, you know, there's a lot to be said uh, about, like, the environment that we're playing in, you know, just having, like, that positive playing environment from coaches to players. Like, everyone just wants, everyone just wants to see the best out of each other. So it's definitely helped with a lot of our play, just, like, working as line mates, as teammates on the ice. Sure. Uh, you'll be going up against a, a Buffalo team. I believe it's the first time you see them this season. There's a long history of these two franchises going at it. But I'm more curious to hear from you, um, Kendall. What did you get from that as a team? What did you get from that Minnesota series to split another series with them? Uh, you have a bye this weekend. Uh, what are some things that you hope to, to really build off of from Minnesota and take up to Buffalo? I guess just um, consistency. You know, we had a really we had a really good game on Saturday, and then we came out kind of flat on Sunday. So I guess just having a consistent weekend, playing like full 60 minutes on Saturday and Sunday, just to make sure that we're not coming out with that lag. Especially after a win, we should have we should have used some of our momentum on Sunday. So I guess just coming out hard. Especially we have a lot to prove against Buffalo. We haven't played them yet, and if we get two wins, we move up in the standings. Yeah, for sure. That's important, it seems, as we start to see teams really jockeying for position. Of course, you and, and the Whitecaps right there, neck and neck. Um, but I'll leave you with this. We're obviously in the holiday season. Do you have any um, holiday traditions that you do as a family that you're really excited to, to partake in in the next several weeks? Um, my, fam- my family's pretty small. So honestly, we have Christmas Eve at my grandma's and then Christmas Day at my house. So it'll be it'll be smaller, especially because Thanksgiving we had Mal and Brooks family at our house, but they're home for the holidays. So it's gonna be quiet, but I'm looking forward to it. Sometimes that's all you need. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Well, it was nice chatting. You with too. You. Thank you. So you'll get to see Kendall and the Riveters in action as the Buffalo Buttes host them for this Labatt Blue Outdoor Classic. Um, that's gonna be exciting. That is Saturday, and. The Whitecaps are not in action this weekend, but I did want to take you to an interview with Allie Thunstrom. As I said, Allie, she took over that game last Saturday, completely took that game over. And her coach, Rhonda Englehart, said that her speed is her gift. And that is true. Definitely her speed is her gift. But Allie Thunstrom is not only fast, she is smart. She's a smart hockey player. And I think that we get swept up sometimes by saying, oh, fastest skater, speed skater, all of that. All of that is definitely true. But there's just something else that Allie has. And I spoke to her a little bit about that. She's very modest and humble about it. But she knows this game. She's been playing it for a while, been playing it at an elite level for a long time, and that shows, and that's exactly what we saw on Saturday. She took the game over, and in the best way possible, that's what her team needed. So here's my interview with Allie Thunstrom. But I wanted to talk to you about your Hattie yesterday. Um, you know, I think it was a game that uh, neither team could really establish anything early in that game. But then Minnesota started pulling away in the in the second period, and then you just kind of turned on. Did you think? Yeah, it was. We we didn't start out. We certainly didn't start out the way that we had hoped to. Um, you know, it was a, definitely a slow start, and not something that we 
wanted to happen. But then, you know, we started getting more shots on goal and then just hoping that they would start to find the back of the net. And then the third, they did. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Allie, I think one of the things that Phil and I, who were on the broadcast yesterday, just noticed is that you seem to have uh, this other gear that you were able to tap into and something that was able to kind of get the rest of the team inspired and and ready to to roll in that third period. Uh, What do you attribute that to? I don't know. It's it's definitely something I've heard before. It's like sometimes when you get the puck, it feels like there's just like an extra step. And I guess that is definitely true. But I think, you know, like uh, my teammates definitely are always behind us. And, you know, I just happened to be the one that the puck fell for. But everybody was kind of on a different level in that third period than the first two for sure. Yeah. And uh, we say that you got a hat trick, but that almost seems like a disappointment after you hit that post. I know. I it was. I was laughing after that shift. I came on the bench and I was like, "Slow, I think that was the best shot I've taken all year, and it didn't go in." And um, it's just that's the way the puck goes sometimes. And you know, you'll have really good shifts and really good opportunities, and they don't go in. And credit to the goalie for good angles and good saves. And you know, then other shots do, and you're like, "Okay, we'll take it." You know. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so you get the win. Again, you had a great performance yesterday, but I think just speaking to Rhonda and, and knowing uh, how this team can play, that there's still some things that, that the Whitecaps want to be able to clean up. How much of that is just being able to be disciplined? Is it just figuring out you've got some new players this year? Is it a combination of all of those things? What, what do you see as, as kind of what's holding the team back right now? Yeah, I think uh, we definitely have the talent. I mean, from top to bottom on our roster, there's not a single player that I wouldn't you know, cheer for, root for on the ice or, you know, not trust out there. Everybody's got talent. Everybody can make it happen. Um, And day in and day out, you've seen this season, it's different people. Um, But I think, yeah, it's just getting some more chemistry. And, um, you know, sometimes we're making that extra pass when maybe we should take that shot. And then on the flip side, sometimes we're taking the shot when we have that pass. So I think it's just kind of, you know, figuring each other out. And it's a very different team than what we had last year. And you know, I'd say even in the games we lost, like, you know, we, we outshot Boston for the most part in both games and had plenty of opportunities. But for us, it's just getting the puck in the net. And, you know, eventually, hopefully, we'll find that stride. But I think, you know, like I said, top to bottom, every player on this team is, is phenomenal. And anybody on any given night can make it happen. So hopefully, as the season goes on, it'll just keep happening more and more yeah for sure all right so switch gears a little bit Mm -hmm. uh i know that you're from minnesota minnesota is known for doing outdoor hockey a lot more than a a lot of the rest of us (laughs) but uh there's an outdoor game in nwhl i'm sure fans are going to be traveling to that what are some tips that you have for folks for being either playing outdoors or being at an outdoor hockey game uh definitely for playing outdoors layer up i mean you don't want to go crazy because once you start moving It feels just like an indoor game for the most part, but keeping your face, the wind is a component that you're not used to indoors, so the cold is one thing, but keeping your face kind of covered, maybe a balaclava, a lightweight one will be a good choice, but for fans, definitely layering up, hand warmers, toe warmers, it's it's different outside in the elements, and you never know quite what you're going to deal with, and then... You know, especially for goalies, that sun, depending on what way the rink is facing, is something you're not used to. Yeah. So yeah, that it, sure. it'll be fun, though. It's such a great atmosphere to play outside. Um, that's how we grew up. I think up until I was, you know, a squirt or a peewee, probably 50% of our games and practices were outside. And 
it's it always brings you back and is a phenomenal experience and you know i think i think they'll really enjoy it regardless of the weather for sure and then the upside is you enjoy some duncan after absolutely <laughs> duncan oh everybody makes fun of me because it's like yesterday i made the bus stop for duncan after the game they're like really Allie? i was like yeah, you know i, I need it <laughs> yeah I mean, you know, NWHL runs on Duncan, Allie Thunstrom runs on Duncan. I absolutely run on Duncan. It's, yeah, it's, that's the biggest joke in my workplace everywhere is like, oh, it's Duncan, Allie must have brought it, or has Allie had her Duncan today? Yeah, I for sure run on Duncan. Well, when you get a hat trick, I think, you know, uh, uh, stopping at Duncan, you've earned it. I hope so. I hope so. If that's what it takes to get Duncan, then hopefully we can do that every day. <laughs> get you another one. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. All right, Allie, thanks for your Thank time. You very All right. much. Happy holidays. All right, take care. And so for anyone who is listening to the broadcast, a lot of people were wondering how she's able to get that hat trick. Well, Allie Thunstrom loves Duncan. She loves Duncan. That came out last year at the All-Star Weekend in particular. She absolutely loves Duncan Donuts. She told that story about how she made the bus stop for Duncan. And listen... If you're getting a hat trick, I think you can make some requests, right? Um, But then I asked her about playing outdoors, and and so I hope you pick up some of those tips from Allie. Uh, Layer up, folks. Layer up. Um, All right, so that's going to do it for this episode of the Founding 4 podcast. I know I went on a little bit of a rant, but I'm I'm very excited to see how Shelly Picard is going to play a factor here I am very excited to see all of the pictures and the excitement coming from the outdoor game and then if you want to hear the action from Danbury I will be on the call with Phil Jubileo at Danbury Ice Arena on Twitch TV very excited for that again I'm going to be looking at Connecticut can they hit another gear Will they bring in some bodies? I know there's a lot of jokes about signing Bray Ketchum. Honestly, at this point, it's not really a joke for me anymore. You need a forward. You need someone who can make a difference. I'm not sure if if Bray has been uh, lacing up the skates, but maybe she she needs to start making a few practices. Um, She could certainly be someone until they can find uh, something else but they just need a little bit of an extra spark and sometimes a new player will do that we're seeing that the riveters are doing that oh also evo mosak let me tell you about this guy on twitter he has been teasing all season all season that he might bring in stretch to which of course stretch has playfully um been playing she's been playing along and now I don't even know what to think. Let me tell you about this. Let me. I'm going to go to the thread because these, these people have me losing my mind. Dan Rice on Twitter posts the Kelly Nash information, to which Evo writes, one more potential surprise for this weekend. Might be a stretch, though, with a devil emoji. Whoa. To which Ashley Stretch Johnson, verified on Twitter, by the way, goes, oh, snap, with a cat gif what are they gonna bring back the captain stretch are they gonna bring back stretch is she gonna play in the outdoor classic i'm telling you folks i'm telling you i am excited i am excited but i'm also terrified i think that uh if she gets signed i could actually lose my mind 
Uh, but we'll have to find out. I'm, I'm scrolling through right now my emails just to make sure nothing has come through while I was recording this podcast. And it doesn't seem as though anything has. So, yeah. Okay, just making sure. Wanted to check that for you. Um, but my goodness, they're teasing that Stretch could come back. I'm here for it. Ashley Stretch Johnston, first captain of the Metropolitan Riveters. Now, as someone mentioned, 10 is taken this year. 10 is actually taken by our guest. One of our guests, at least. Kendall Cornine. Kendall Cornine wears number 10 for the Riveters. So, what does that mean? What does that mean? Well, I guess we'll see. I guess we will see. Um, All right, folks, I think that's all we have. You've got the Riveters at Boston, the Pride at Connecticut. It's going to be a jam-packed weekend, and that will take us through the 2019 portion of the NWHL season. We return to action as uh, Boston again will see Connecticut, uh, and then they will host the Buffalo Buttes. That's next weekend, or excuse me, uh, they see the Connecticut Whale this weekend, and then Boston is up in Buffalo next weekend. Minnesota and the Riveters go at it again. So the Connecticut Whale will not return to action until January 11th. Um, I think we'll wait to see if we hear of any any other news. Uh, whether it's stretch or someone coming to the whale. What if it's stretch to the whale? Evo, you, you, W. Um, we'll see what happens. But um, as always, whatever the case is, we will have you covered here at the Founding Four podcast. And as I mentioned, we have our bonus episodes. In the new year, you will hear from Doxy McCoy. Doxy McCoy was a founding member of the Boston College women's ice hockey team. That's before they went in varsity, division one. They were a club team. And she was one of their first goalies, field hockey player turned goalie. And she told me that the reason that she was a goalie is because she couldn't skate. (laughs) So we'll hear from Doxy McCoy. Um, on the next bonus episode of the Founding Four podcast. And then, of course, I'll have a recap of what we saw at the Buffalo Outdoor Game, as well as in Connecticut, as the Boston Pride and the Connecticut Whale square off once more this season. All right, folks, um, the next episode also, I had this... um, I asked everyone to send over their favorite all-time uh, players and lines for uh, for their respective franchises. I actually got some really great responses. I do want to go over those. Didn't have time on this episode, but I haven't forgotten about those, so we'll get into those. And uh, until next time, folks, enjoy yourself. Take Allie Thunstrom's advice if you're going to see the, the outdoor game tomorrow. Bundle up layer up and of course as Allie would always have your Duncan on hand maybe you drink a few Labatt Blues and I'm sure that will warm you up as well whatever what's your flavor do what you gotta do as always thank you to the Patreon posse that is allowing me to run this and keep the monthly maintenance fee over on Transistor FM which is where we house the founding four you can also find the founding four 
on most all of your podcast listening platforms. Until next time, happy new year. I'll see you in 2020.